Hello, and welcome to the Development Podcast from the World Bank Group. I'm Raka Banerjee. And I'm Srimathi Sridhar. Coming up, why are small states facing such low economic growth? The latest World Bank Global Economic Prospects report highlighted the big challenges facing small countries and their slow recovery from the pandemic. We hear from one of the report authors. The main reason these countries were really, really hard hit by COVID was tourism. We'll also be getting a snapshot of life in Jamaica as tourists return, but supply chains remain a struggle. It is really ridiculous. I mean, like one of my biggest sellers is Oxdale. We're now paying like almost two, two and a half times more for it now. It's hard for you as a restaurateur because you can't just get up and change your prices. And hearing from the Kingdom of Tonga in the South Pacific about climate change, natural disasters, and more. The eruption of a tsunami and asphalt occurred two years into border uh, closes. The economy and the country was already heavily impacted, especially from prolonged uh, disruptions to tourism. Uh, That's all coming up in this episode. First, let's delve into some detail. Raka, you just mentioned the Global Economic Prospects published recently. So for anyone who hasn't had time to read this report, what does it spell out? Well, I hate to say it, but everything is looking pretty gloomy right now. Apparently, global growth is now expected to be at its third weakest point in the last three decades. That's, of course, the 2009 and 2020 global recessions were worse, but this is the worst after all of that. Uh, the slowdown is expected to be both sharp and long-lasting, and the bank has even revised down its previous projections. So six months ago, it was thinking we would have a 3% global growth rate for 2023. Now it's looking at 1.7%. Wow, that really doesn't sound good. Yeah, uh, and there's more. Uh, Unfortunately, the negative trends are pretty much holding true across the board. So the report, Global Economic Prospects, it focuses on the challenges faced by a category of economies which were dealing with a particularly deep recession in 2020, uh, which which we are calling small states. So I think you know what my next question is. What are those exactly? Small states fall within the overall category of emerging markets and developing economies, right? We call those EMDEs for short because it's kind of a mouthful. EMDEs is basically just a catch-all term for everything that's not considered an advanced economy, and that's according to income level, right? And then small states in particular are defined as those that have populations of 1.5 million people or less. During the pandemic, outputs for small states declined by about seven times as much as for other EMDEs. Wow. I mean, could you share a little bit about why small states experience such a large decline, relatively speaking? One thing is that small states tend to be particularly vulnerable to shocks. And then we've also been seeing higher prices lately for energy and food. So small states uh, tend to largely import both energy and food. So that's been another hit. And then it's also gotten a lot harder to borrow recently, right? There's both lower external demand and there's higher costs for borrowing right now. And that's particularly tough for small states, especially those that are already pretty significantly indebted. Well, this does paint a pretty bleak picture, but we need it. Thanks for sharing that with us, Raka. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. Think of the Caribbean and what springs to mind. 
white sand, swaying palm trees, holiday heaven. Right? These are the ideals which have attracted so many tourists to the area. But this highly tourism-dependent cluster of small states is extremely vulnerable to natural disasters, climate change, and supply chain disruption. Jamaica is the largest English-speaking island in the area, a tourist hotspot, and it has a bigger population than its neighbors. In many ways, it's a success story. Jamaica's population of over 2.8 million people means that while it's not technically a small state, it does share many of the same attributes and challenges. It's not all smooth sailing. COVID dealt many blows there as well. How are businesses on the island bouncing back from COVID? And how are they coping with inflation and cost of living issues? Our producer, Sarah Treanor, spoke to one restaurateur to find out. The sounds of Jamaica on a Sunday afternoon. Let's go on a little walking tour. I'm in the center of the town. In Jamaica, I don't know if you know. So everywhere you have a church, right beside it you have a bar. It is really interesting and something else. So there is church on a Sunday right across the road from me. When you sit down, you can be blessed by the sounds of the church on a Sunday. Hi, I'm Anna K. Tomlinson. I own an authentic Jamaican restaurant with a little gourmet flair. And I've had that restaurant for 14 years um, in the town of Otria. Miss T's kitchen is located in the heart. When I tell you in the heart, it's literally across from the market. So we're really in the center of things where, I mean, the hustle and bustle is, is something else. So who are Anna Kay's customers? We get cruise ships. We get Sometimes we get two cruise ships a day and we get them about between three and four times a week. And then we have the hotels and we have guest houses and yes, so it's a, it's a bubbling little town. I asked her to explain what life was like when COVID hit. Yes, it, it really was very different. Um, obviously, we had no cruise ships. A lot of restaurants were closed. Yeah, they, it became like a ghost town. And what about since travel rules have relaxed? Business has been really, really good, you know, even better than before. But for Anna Kay, like so many others around the world, supply chain issues are taking their toll. We can't get a lot of the things that we used to get, you know, brands that we used to get before, or supplies that we used to get. The biggest thing is the, the cost of things. And I mean, it is really ridiculous. I mean, like one of my biggest sellers is Oxdale. We're now paying like almost two, two and a half times more for it now. It's hard for you as a restaurateur because you can't just get up and change your prices. Jamaicans, we live on chicken. I mean, we eat chicken like it's, you know, going out of style. And it was really ridiculous because chicken was every week. They'd call me, oh, 5% is going on. I mean, it sounds like not much, but when you run in a restaurant and, you know, your margins are small and things are tight and you can't put that to the customer every week and say, listen, we're, you know, prices are going up. But I think what was happening was just, you know, the availability of goods like corn to feed the chickens. And, you know, so that all those prices had gone up energy, you know, gas, everything. You know, our electric bills have gone up, water bills have gone up. And what about retaining staff? A common problem for many in the industry. Anna Kay says that while she has a full workforce, many others are telling a different story. All the good people have left. I was talking to a friend in the hotel industry and he has had people working with them for 20, 25, 30 years. And the other day they lost like almost 30, 40% of their team because of this. I have a relentless passion for what I do. I absolutely love it. People think I'm crazy because restaurant business is not easy. 
we're fighting it's been a fight it's just the price of goods you know availability was one thing but then when you can get them the prices have just been going up and up and up and it just hasn't kind of stopped you know so that has been one of the one of the biggest challenges well thanks to sarah and to anna k for giving us a tour of her restaurant in jamaica from jamaica to the kingdom of tonga Tonga is a tiny country with a population of just over 100,000. Its mainly low-lying islands are scattered over hundreds of miles of the South Pacific Ocean, and it's hard to imagine a more vulnerable place when it comes to natural disasters and the impact of climate change. In December 2021, an eruption began on Hunga Tonga Hunga Apai. By the 15th of January, this mainly underwater volcano to the north of the country's capital, Nuku'alofa, on its main island, Tonga Tapu, had created 300-foot waves with ash shooting into the sky. Everybody get up. Let's go. Just get up. When the first deceptively small waves arrived at Tonga's shores, people had minutes to flee to higher ground before the tsunami hit. <laughs> At sea level, the eruption resembled a mushroom cloud, a mass of steam, ash and rock. The impact for Tongans and for the country's economy was severe, and it came right off the back of a prolonged border shutdown due to COVID. As the Tongan Minister for Finance and Tonga World Bank Governor, the Honorable Teofilusi Tiueti explains. Yeah, thank you. Uh, the Hunga Tonga Hunga volcanic eruption, as you uh, both know, was a very uh, strategic event in Tonga. One in a thousand years uh, event, which was uh, quite an experience for all the people here in Tonga. The eruption of the tsunami and the asphalt occurred two years into uh, border closures due to the, uh, to the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. The economy and the country was already heavily impacted, especially from prolonged uh, disruptions to uh, tourism. Uh, the country and economy uh, also had not fully recovered from the uh, tropical cyclone uh, Herald in 2020 and tropical uh, cyclone uh, Kita in uh, 2018. Both uh, had kept uh, five cyclones. Uh, the uh, volcanic uh, eruption, tsunami and the asphalt, unfortunately uh, uh, claimed uh, four lives. It's a miracle that uh, there weren't more casualties in, in Tonga. Uh, had the eruption occurred at night, uh, that might have been a different uh, story to tell. Approximately uh, 85,000 people affected, which is a, uh, 84% of Tonga uh, population. 1,525 people from uh, 317 households have been displaced in Tongatapu and Hawaii Island. The economy contracted further to 2.5% uh, uh, in uh, financial year 2022. In the immediate aftermath of the eruption and tsunami, uh, and once some international communication was uh, established, the international community uh, responded very quickly, for which we are very, uh, very grateful. Uh, the first uh, humanitarian aircraft landed five, five days after the eruption. Uh, once we were able to uh, sweep and clear the runway. Development partners, including the World Bank, responded swiftly with the, uh, an immediate uh, 8 million US dollar uh, in emergency funding to Tonga to ensure adequate uh, resources to reestablish uh, basic reserve services and help the Tongan families uh, uh, most uh, affected. Um, before the end of the fiscal year, the World Bank was able to respond uh, robustly with an additional uh, 35 million uh, US dollar uh, as part of the response uh, package. 
the minister shared a little more detail about some of the challenges facing Tonga. Yeah, the uh, impact of uh, climate uh, change is obviously reflected on the uh, frequency and intensity uh, of the natural disaster, which further impacted our primary uh, sector for economic development, for example, the agriculture and uh, fisheries. Uh, it is uh, critical for the uh, survival of the uh, small island states to be able to access additional resources and for development partners to continue to maintain and increase their contributions uh, to uh, overseas development assistance, including uh, AIDA. There should be a differentiated approach for ease of access to uh, climate uh, finance facility, uh, such as a Green uh, Climate Fund, Adaptation Fund, etc., for the uh, small uh, island states. Uh, as raised in the uh, COP27, uh, uh, loss and damage finance is very uh, crucial uh, to small island de- development states. The minister also had this to add. Uh, driven by uh, high co- uh, global commodity uh, prices, uh, inflation increased uh, sar- sharply to uh, 12.9% year-to-year in uh, October uh, 2022, significantly higher than the reserve, National Reserve Bank of uh, Tonga reference uh, rate of uh, 5%. Uh, the inflation has uh, really affected uh, Tonga, particularly uh, in its uh, reconstruction. Uh, the price of construction materials uh, and labor have increased uh, significantly. Uh, supply chain disruptions cause causing delays in the shipping and arrival of inputs and materials impacting the pace and the extent uh, possible under the uh, recovery uh, program. The minister went on to strike a more hopeful note for the Kingdom of Tonga. We are projecting a bit of uh, growth for this uh, financial year, driven mainly by the uh, uh, reconstructions. Uh, following the tsunami. However, uh, this will be constrained by the uh, rising uh, inflation. Many thanks to the Honorable Teofalusi Tueti. We've heard from two different regions where small states have struggled. But let's get a bit more context from Dana Vorsek. She's one of the lead authors of this year's January 2023 edition of the World Bank's Global Economic Prospects Report. And she's a senior economist within the Equitable Growth, Finance and Institutions Global Practice for the World Bank. We asked Dana to explain a few of the characteristics of small states. They are heterogeneous in in various ways, but they do tend to have uh, some commonalities. One is that they are very economically open, so that is open open to trade. They also tend to be quite economically concentrated. So by that, I mean that most of their production happens in one, two, three sectors, right? They're not not diversified. Uh, They also tend to have uh, limited government capacity, and and this is for a variety of reasons, right, that... uh, They carry over from uh, weak education uh, and also um, migration, outward migration from these countries. So these are these are some of the things uh, these countries are are facing. So how did COVID make existing vulnerabilities worse? Dana explains. The reason the main reason these countries were really, really hard hit by COVID was tourism. And what we saw during 2020 and even well into 2021, there were effectively no tourists coming. People were fearful of traveling, but also these countries shut their borders for for a long time and even longer than most uh, other emerging market and developing economies because they didn't have the capacity within their health systems to deal with very large outbreaks of, of COVID. And we've also been hearing a lot about issues with supply chain and, of course, you know, rising inflation, um, debt. Can you speak a little bit to those and, you know, the impact that they've been having for small states? 
So one of the key ways uh, the supply chain disruptions manifested for small states was through shipping costs, right? It's not something we are necessarily talking about so much right now, uh, but these countries are, are highly reliant on trade, right? So they are importing most of their goods and, and exporting mostly services, right? But what they are importing is, is everything they need, right? Every product they need. And they are super reliant, you know, much more so than other countries on food and fuel imports, right? So what happened during 2020 was that during all these supply chain uh, disruptions, these countries started to face much higher shipping costs. So they were paying more to import everything already in 2020, 21, and then early 2022 came, right? So just on the sort of on the cusp, of uh, Russia's invasion of Ukraine, the increase in shipping costs began to flatline a bit. So it was not; it was no longer increasing at a rapid pace. But then the invasion of, of Ukraine happened, and food and fuel prices uh, rapidly increased again. How did the pandemic combine with some of these existing vulnerabilities to really hamper recovery for small states? So one of the one of the major long term challenges and uh, risks that small states face is uh, related to natural disasters and climate change. And if you look backward over time, over a, a 30 year period from from 1990 to uh, 2021, these countries on average have experienced damages and losses of about five percent of GDP annually. Right. That is oh, that wow. is immense. It's about 15 times higher than what other emerging market and developing economies have experienced. It has repeatedly set these countries back, right? They, a big, a big uh, cyclone or hurricane comes or a big flood or a drought even in some countries. And it really has, you know, a short-term impact destruction of, of infrastructure, but that that leads to, uh, to long-term challenges in competitiveness and advancement in per capita incomes. Okay, so small states are really struggling with a lot of things right now. Are there any success stories that, you know, you can share with us? One of the examples that that comes up often is the experience of Mauritius, right? Mauritius is a an island economy in the Indian Ocean, uh, far from lots of things. But over decades, it has become, you have been able to see it shift from predominantly agriculturally based economically it was a, it's a, it was a sugar producer for a long time uh, to then getting into manufacturing of clothing and various other things and then over time now it's it's predominantly services based economy right so during that time it has made a really clear trajectory in um, per capita income gains and uh, really really advancing the living standards of, of people there Dana Voracek many thanks for joining us on the podcast. Well, that's about all we have time for on this episode of the Development Podcast from the World Bank Group. I'm Srimathi Sridhar. And I'm Raka Banerjee. Thanks for listening. And do get in touch with us uh, with comments, suggestions, thoughts. We are at the Development Podcast at worldbank.org. We'll be back soon. And in our next episode, we'll be taking a look at the impact of the war in Ukraine one year on. Make sure to join us then.